This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My Welcome to Friars in the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and this week uh, with Roy out, we have a cool special co-host, uh, Mark Wilkins from Mad Friars and the Bound for Disappointment Podcast. How's it going? It's good to be here. Jesus, Bound for Disappointment is certainly a apt named podcast for the Padres because this is the end. <laughs> it it feels it feels like it sometimes. It definitely does. I think I think that at least the atmosphere of the doors really fits what's going on right now in a lot of ways. Got Jim Morrison would love the Padres out now. The guys are guys are killing me, man. It's just you're just dying, and it's just dying on the vine. Where's the new wine? But dying on the vine. <laughs> Everyone goes to their doors phase. Um, yeah, there's that phase. Hey, so guys, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we have a little bit of news, some of the batting leadoff stuff, and then. I'm going to read the dailies, and I'm going to talk to Mark. Mark's been to, God, you live in Phoenix, so he's been to uh, the complex several times. He's seen several of the top players. Um, you made it out to uh, San Antonio with Kevin, and then you just got back today, flew in today from uh, from El Paso. Yeah, I did uh, both trips with John, San Antonio and El Paso. Oh, okay. and, uh, and then I've been to probably about five complex games. I'm um, hoping to get to some more. Um into the fall here since I'm probably done with, with trips for the season. So it'll be all about uh, what's going on out here. How, uh, just kind of give you how, so how was the food in El Paso compared to San Antonio? Uh, food in El Paso was, was great. Uh, the difference really is, is the, uh, the peppers, chiles. Um, San Antonio has some barbecue. Um, okay. there wasn't, I, I mean, there's probably is barbecue in El Paso, but it's not what really comes up on the list. It really was the, uh, the Mexican food, and uh, we, we we snuck over to uh, Mesilla over in New Mexico to kind of compare that as well. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's great eating out there in El Paso for sure. I, uh, I I listened to another podcast, the show before the show podcast, yeah, absolutely, the official minor league podcast, and they were um, Tyler Mon was in was in uh, Albuquerque seeing a Topes game, and they were talking about how green chilies is the condiment like ketchup, mustard, green chilies, no relish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, relish doesn't exist. Um, if you put something green on your hot dog in, in New Mexico, it's not going to be relish. It, it, you're right. <laughs> it better not be. It, it better be green chilies. So let's go. Let's get this thing started. Uh, batting leadoff. You know, Twitter this week, uh, Advocates for Minor League Players is, is an organization we talk about a lot here on the podcast. And we also talk a lot about the, uh, the treatment and conditions of minor league players. And I found this tweet interesting. Um, quote, the players... Take, the Padres take great pride in providing best-in-class resources throughout our minor league system, 8-5-21. San Diego owner Peter Seidler, I could not be happy with where we are business-wise. There's nothing we can't do. So then they also tweeted a picture with that of best-in-class, quote, nothing we can't do, quote, the Padres do not pay a housing stipend for AAA, AA, and they charge players daily for housing. The Giants pay a housing stipend in AA, AAA, Fully cover housing except taxes for single A. So when when Peter Sander talks about that that you know the organization is he must be talking about the major league team because that ro- that roster is pretty expensive and uh, his minor league guys are living very very poorly. Yeah, I mean I, I would think from Sidler's perspective when he talks about the business he'd be talking about the ballpark, the major league club, the players that they pay for, uh, and the facilities in Arizona. That's probably the extent of what what he means. What I'm curious about is. 
best in class resources. I mean, it doesn't necessarily talk about housing, but it gives you, uh, it, it gives you kind of a, a statement where you see yeah, you would think that that's part of the, the equation for it. Yeah. Yeah. Best in, best in show, best in show for the whole league. We are, we are the, the, we are the best in show for the league. And that's not just the case. And so I, I, um, for those of you listening, I push the San Diego Padres to do better, to do better. Um, this year, you know, we read an earlier article from, uh, from SF gate, uh, about the Stockton ports. They, they pay. So all because of COVID there's no, ha- there's no host families and they have to pay for the hotel. They don't get a stipend. Players have to pay for the hotel. So a lot of these teams, a lot of these players have to live in hotels, are living in hotels during their homestands, and they have to pay for that. And with the meager amount of money that they make, they're actually losing money. And you also have these guys living two, three, four guys to a two-bedroom apartment, you know, four to six guys at least, you know, oftentimes three to four people in a one-bedroom. Uh, with guys sleeping in kitchens, sleeping on on toppers and air mattresses, and it's just it's just a little, you know, Major League Baseball just spent five million dollars on on a on a hype game in Iowa, where they took two where they took two of the uh, the minor league affiliates out of there. Yeah, I, mean, I I definitely you know something that that I was thinking about in El Paso, it would be. I think it'd be a good idea for these teams going forward to have some sort of housing that they control. Because if you put yourself in the perspective of a minor league player, you're not going to sign a one-year lease somewhere because if you're in San Antonio, you're hoping you're not in San Antonio for the whole year. So these arrangements become B and B's shared housing. Um, It's just something where the league can probably do something about it, but also the union can probably do something about it. You have the, the major league players, can they do more to look back on the guys that are in the minors? It's definitely part of the equation too. Certainly. And you can put that as a, as a, as a part of the overall expenses of, of an organization uh, in Fort Wayne, as you know, they have apartments uh, near the ballpark where the players stay. And so, you know, they stay in these blocks of apartments are all together. They all live together and it's close to the ballpark. So there's a safe place to go home at night and not have to you know worry about food, paying rent, and then having to buy food, well, am I going to pay rent or am I going to, you know, have a dollar chili dog, you know, at, at whatever burger? Yeah, you, you control that housing and it, it makes so many things easier. The, the diet, the nutrition, the making sure that they're in a safe place, like you said. And then also, you know, you got a guy, you call him up, you can put him in the housing there and he still has a place back in the other place. If he goes back down, things like that. A guy goes down, not expecting to get demoted. Hey, you know, sorry about it, but you have a place to live. It's a different equation. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times those guys get moved up. They're in the lineup the next day, or they're on the mound the next day, and that's a whole day wasted in trying to find a place or trying to, you know. I, I would love to, you know. We don't talk about these guys and talk to these guys about this enough uh, when we do talk to them. Uh, maybe after COVID next year, when perhaps if things ever ever get back to somewhere towards normalcy, uh, we can start having that conversation with players in the Padres system and just in general of of what they think could be better. And, and certainly, uh, advocates for minor leaguers have uh, come up with. Uh, plenty of solutions to those problems all right, all right let's move on so there's been some movement <laughs> i know <laughs> hey uh there's been some movement moises lugo has been transferred from fort wayne to san antonio he's been doing really well uh you know yeah you don't count wins and losses in in uh in minor league baseball but he's like a 3.98 era 3-4 record uh which is pretty damn good to get moved up yeah lugo was an obvious choice to come out of fort wayne get to san antonio for sure i just uh Especially lately, it just felt like every time he was on the mound, he was making his way into tweets from the team, from us, from everyone, just a, a noteworthy player. And it was time. So it was good to see him graduate and move up there. Absolutely. And then Jordan Guerrero underwent 
uh, a friend of the podcast, Jordan Guerrero, is underwent Tommy John surgery today. He was placed on the IL along with El Paso's pitcher Aaron Lacer and Kyle McGrath. Yeah, uh, we talked to Jordan. Um, unfortunately, you know, found out he's, he's uh, due for Tommy John. Um, he, you know, the good thing is he's really upbeat about it. He knows that uh, Tommy John's not what it used to be. Uh, these organ, I mean, especially these organizations now, they almost, I don't want to say they plan for it, but they have such a set plan for how they do it. So uh, he'll be hopefully second half next year. He'll be ready to go. Uh, as far as Lacer and McGrath, we don't know what's going on. Um, they just, uh, McGrath pitched in the doubleheader on Friday. Um, obviously it's not a surprise he hadn't pitched since then, but he ended up on the IL. Lacer, I know, hasn't pitched for a while. He came out of the bullpen. Um, so we don't know there. Um, kind of says a lot about El Paso's pitching too, because they have some real, real games there where there wasn't a lot of pitching, but you think about it, their active roster had Lacer, Guerrero, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, so they, they were shorthanded on arms that could actually get out throwing inning right now. Yeah, God, that just seems to be kind of organization organization wide. But what I, you know, and I, Jordan wasn't too far off. I mean, obviously the controllers with him are 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 what the stands out the most. But he was almost beginning to knock on the door of maybe getting a call up. Yeah, Jordan was was uh, you know about a strikeout an inning. He was keeping the big hits down. Um, the, the walks were getting better. Uh, he was he was at a point where. He was having a good year, and it was something that he was feeling good about. So it's it, it's definitely not the timing that you want. It, it feels sometimes with minor leaguers, it's right when they're knocking on the door, right when they're figuring it out what happens. That's the case with Guerrero. Yeah, tough. Um, moving on, Adrian Martinez transferred from AA up to El Paso and then rightfully got introduced to AAA today. <laughs> Giving up seven runs, I think, in four innings, three innings? Yeah. Three innings, yeah. Uh, Adrian... Uh, yeah, he got his uh, old school PCL baptism today, but um, that'll be a uh, you know everyone's gonna freak out today. Yeah. They're going, oh my god, this is what you're either gonna see he's not ready, or you're gonna see this is why you don't send pitchers to the PCL or AAA West. You send them there because you want to see what they're doing outside of San Antonio. A lot of people don't realize what that ballpark is like to pitch in compared to even the rest of that league. Uh, how that ballpark? I mean. The hitting there, the getting that ball out in that heavy air in San Antonio, trying to get to left field, those righties have such a problem. So, of course, you want to take Martinez, yeah. get him to El Paso before you're giving him big innings. Yeah. Um, he's just a guy, too, specifically for Martinez, that his, he was having such a breakout compared to where he was before. So you want, you want to test him. Um, I wasn't surprised that he got to El Paso. I was just surprised to see him in El Paso because – we hadn't heard there was a roster move, and all of a sudden, I looked on the field, and there was number twenty-two. Uh, right, and you posted video of him throwing a bullpen. Yeah, he threw a bullpen yesterday. Uh, it was cool. You know, we got to talk to uh, Michael Cantu, who has caught him before, and then Cantu caught the bullpen. Um, and, and the cool thing about Martinez is he's a righty who's got a sinker fastball, and he's got a uh, he's got a slider, but he's got a changeup that has uh, screwball action. Really? And what Cantu, yeah, what Cantu calls it is a left-handed slider coming off a righty. That's bad. So, yeah, that's fantastic. That, that's cool to watch. You know, and, and I, what I love about, you know, what I love about the season is these guys pop up. You pop up guys. You're no Moises Lugo wasn't on any, you know, uh, wasn't on any top prospect list. Neither was, uh, and it was Adrian Martinez, um, Brandon Venezuela, and Uribe Angeles in in, uh, in Lake Elsinore. Those guys weren't on any any list, and. And I know this is leading the league and, and leading, uh, God, I want to call it the Cali League, lead the Cali League in uh, in batting average by 20 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been the, the really fun thing about this year. And part of it, I think, 
it's it's a little more exaggerated having that year off because you know, one thing that, that uh, Cantu said was that Martinez came to camp last year before the shutdown with the stuff he has now. So there's some guys that would have been breakout last, last year that they didn't, we didn't get to see it. And uh, like, like Angel is, I mean, he's 19. So we last saw him when he was a kid. And he still is a kid, but we saw him when he was real, real raw. And now he's, he's batting, last I saw he's batting 348. He probably even went up from there. Um, Valenzuela was a guy who they liked him as a catcher. They weren't sure of him at the plate. And Elsinore, he's one of the better hitters on a team that matches the ball. So there's just a lot of stuff that, that's the fun stuff watching this every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a great thing. These pop up. Everyone goes. Everyone asks, you know, where's Robert Hassel? Where's you know Mackenzie Gore or whatever? Like those guys will come when they're ready. It's the guys that you don't hear about that have these breakout seasons that just really kind of shows that Prolo can put together. You know, can definitely draft uh, draft guys. Just yet to be. Uh, you know, you have to show fruit uh, at the major league level. But kind of finishing up on all this, uh, Sam McWilliams was transferred uh, to Double A from from Triple A down to Double A. And that's fine. All right. Yeah, McWilliams was. Uh, I think he was up the first day we were there. I don't think he pitched, and he went down to San Antonio on that same day. He had a wild pitch, a couple walks. It's, it's just been control issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to finish up here, Ripken Reyes was sent to Fort Wayne from AZ. Now he started the year up in Lake Elsinore, and when we talked to Mike McCoy, he was talking about like, "Hey, who's the leader? Who's like, who's really showing those skills?" And he's like, "Ripken." Uh, Ripken Reyes definitely showed, and I was like, so, we were surprised. I was for certain, you know, you're going to hear Robert Hassel or some of the guys that have been there for a while. He's like, yeah, he, he's the one that kind of corrals the troops there. He went down with an injury. I'm not quite, I don't remember exact, exactly what it was, but he got hurt and then ended up in, in back in the complex and is now up to Fort Wayne. Yeah, Ripken was at the complex for a while because I think I saw him in four of the five games I've been to. And I mean, he was working on stuff, but obviously, I mean, he's already graduated from that level, so he was he was ready to roll. But it's cool to see him go go straight to Fort Wayne. Um, that's a name that you haven't really heard a lot of lately, yeah. just because you know, injuries and everything else, and in the COVID year. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes because you know there, there's definitely room to move up in the middle infield, in the uh, organization right now. So it's a good one. Absolutely. So let's get on to the affiliate rundown, and we're gonna as, as guys as we. As I read this stuff and when we talk about it, we're going to talk to Mark about what he's seen in in the uh, in the complex league. I, I'm not the AZL. I have it down. It's the AZL. It's no longer the complex league, the cow, whatever it's called. Um, so starting out strike two Tuesday, Robert Gaston's professional debut was a clean one as the lefty tossed a perfect first inning with a strikeout. The former Houston Cougar and this year's 71st overall pick is an intriguing name to monitor when his career begins in earnest. Seth Mayberry collected his first victory since 2019 striking out the side in order in his first appearance of the year. The 2018 39th round selection out of Dinwiddle, Virginia. Wow, that's a tough word. Uh, <laughs> has seen his professional career limited to just 28 and a third innings by a litany of injuries. When he was healthy in 2019, he put up solid numbers. Joshua Paulina notched his first professional save, stifling the Royals with a pair of hitless innings. A 19-year-old Pennsylvania native signed with the Padres last summer out of high school. High school. <laughs> Out of high school. Um, yeah, Gasser, you know, that's one I haven't seen on, on strike one here. I haven't seen these guys yet except for Paulina. Um, Gasser, uh, uh, good start. He's going to get a lot of hype just because uh, pitching is, is such a premium. Whenever you see someone with a college pedigree, they, they start to get uh, excited that they can contribute sooner rather than later. But um, he is a guy that could move quicker than some for sure. Just uh, looking at what he's done and where, where they took him. 
uh, Mayberry, that is just such a great story just to get him back out there for sure. Let's hear the story. You got as good as me, man. <laughs> I know well, a little bit know. of it, but but I wasn't around for a lot of that. Right. <laughs> Anyways, so you know, guys like Gasser, they're gonna they're obviously gonna dominate in 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 the complex, and they're also gonna be very very cognizant of what they've already pitched already. And you know, like you said, probably by the end of the season, the second half of the season, you know, last month, they'll probably find themselves in into affiliate where they'll start next year. Yeah, guys like guys like him are going to move, um, and it's something that's interesting to follow with them because, yeah, in the complex league, they're, they're it would be surprising to not see them dominate. So when you when you're looking at these these stats, it, it can look a little cartoonish. And I know you're going to end up later on with cops too. It's just these guys are a little older and they they uh, they have a little bit more experience with older hitters. Yeah, and they're going with these kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old, and you're like, God. I'm pitching against high school kids. Moving on, strike two. After going hitless the last two games, Jackson Merrill doubled and scored two runs. Merrill started his career with a team 10-game hitting streak before going into a mini slump. He's off to a 310, 408, 429 start to his pro career. Right fielder Jorge Onya, yes, yes, started his rehab assignment in the desert and had a double and four at-bats. He had a bone spur removed from his elbow in May and hasn't seen game action all year. He's, And that's the bummer about Jorge. He's just, last year he was... 2000 this year he was doing so great he had a really breakout um first month in in double a and got hurt you know back before 2019 he was starting in uh lake ilson when like it was a high a and then it got hit in the head with a with a home run ball or a foul ball they hit the foul pole and knocked him you know it just it derailed him all year yeah it's really good to see jorge back out there i mean that's a name people will actually remember uh he's been up with the big club a little bit um Someone who is still a, a top prospect. When you when you make the list, it, it, people will feel like he's old because he's put on the pinstripes, but he still gets on that list. And obviously, he's, he's a big dude with a big bat. And uh, it, it'd be cool to see uh, see what he can do for the rest of the fall to get out in spring training. And like you said, hopefully to stay healthy for once, yeah. get a get a good, good shot at it. Yeah, he needs a full season though to kind of really really gauge to where he's going to be. Um, and he's a tank, dude. I I guy's just a tank. Yeah. And uh, Merrill, you know, everyone kind of knows a little bit about Jackson Merrill, top pick everyone's seen. I, I got to see him a few times. Um, it, it was really interesting because the complex league, for, for people who don't really follow it, it starts before the draft. So when it starts out, you're watching the guys who mostly who signed in the last year or two and haven't moved up to other levels. So when the draft picks show up, it really kind of changes the dynamic because you, you're bringing in some fresh blood and, and uh, Merrill just get, jumped right in with that hitting streak. Uh, lefty bat, righty, you know, right throw, left bat. Some of the Padres are just all about right now. Um, guy who had a growth spurt, he's just putting putting barrels on the ball. It's pretty cool to see. How's his defense looking so far? Can't say I've seen much, but I haven't seen anything bad. Yeah, right. Well, and, and the one thing with Jack, uh, he was such a pop up in the draft in kind of an unexpected uh, Padres first pick that it's good to see that he's hitting, you know, at the very least, he's hitting velocity. There, there's got to be, you're getting velocity down there at the camp, right, in, in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're seeing they're seeing velocity at the complex that is not much different than when you go up the levels. You know, what changes is the command and control. They're seeing, low, they're seeing low 90s from a lot of these guys, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I went to the game on Saturday, and that's kind of the down, downside of, of, you know, of having 
Lake Elsinore now a low affiliate. Like two of the pit, they just could not throw strikes. They just could not throw strikes, and they got was really no help from bad defense or even a hard hit ball. They just kept walking guys in, get a hit or no number, you know, two run score, uh, and then they're in deep. But they ended up that game. They ended up coming back and not winning it, but coming back real close. But let's move on. At this time, it was uh, Ryan Brigger's turn. The former West Virginia righty pitched one inning allowed an unearned run. Right-handed pitcher Kevin Copps tossed a scoreless inning, punching out two hitters. As expected, the 2021 Golden Spikes Award winner has dominated the ACL in 4.2 innings. He's racked up 10 strikeouts while walking just one batter. Right-handed pitcher, you know, and then, yeah, tossed two of those scoreless. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Cut and paste. I did that twice. <laughs> Moving on to strike three. Uh, leading up to leading the club in OPS is 19-year-old Wilmert Paula. The Santo Domingo native has a 9.26 OPS to go along with seven extra base hits in just 20 games. Despite missing the first few weeks of the ACL season, center fielder James Wood is showing why he was originally thought of as a top 10 overall pick. He has a batting average of 367 while already leading the team in stolen bases with five in just nine games. I'm really glad to see him doing well. After what we read from uh, Mad Fighter's interview with Keith Law, um, you know, and he heard, you know, rightfully so. He heard it from several scouts that he seemed disinterested. You know, maybe it was just a bad couple games that they saw or, or whatever, but just good to see him that he's starting to, uh, you know, at least hit the ball well. Yeah, you know, with, with Wood, it you have to think with a kid that age, obviously the Padres knew more when they took him than, than we all do. And we're piecing together information. It's possible, you know, if, if, if you look disinterested playing ball, it could be you really hate your coach. You're a kid that doesn't want to play at that level of competition. You could be bored. I mean, if you're going to be a second-round pick, maybe you're bored playing against the kids you're playing against. It sounds counterintuitive to a guy you want on your team, but that age, that can happen. And, and with Wood, I, I've gotten to see him a few times. And what's really cool for, for me from him so far is when we looked at Wood, the, all the highlights you got on him were hitting bombs. All Everything you saw were, were comparisons to Judge just because of his size. Right. So what's cool is we've seen speed. Uh, we've seen doubles. We've seen a good hit tool uh, working in the zone. If I had to describe Wood with a simple phrase so far, it's been working within himself, which almost sounds like the opposite of what they're saying we're going to get. They're basically saying, like, you're going to get this raw power. You're going to get this uh, talent who's not even necessarily a, a baseball player yet. He's still figuring it out. So it's cool to see that so far. He's been a stolen base guy. He's played center field, all those things that we didn't really necessarily think that he could do. Yeah, you know, and uh, and he's a little wiry too. I, you know, the thing about Judge is he can't stay healthy because guy's thick as a brick. You know, when with all that muscle mass comes, uh, and all that power comes injuries. So moving on to Lake yeah. Elsinore, strike one Wednesday. Colton Bender turned in his third consecutive multi-hit game for Lake Elsinore in the loss. Bender, who was drafted in the tenth round of this year's draft, was the third highest player ever drafted out of the small Quinnipiac College. He is not the only Quinnipiac alum in the organization, as he now joins fellow Bobcat Matt Batten. Bender hit 295, 350, 400 in his career at Quinnipiac and was heralded for both his bat-to-ball skills and his framing as a catcher. Bender only received the promotion because Joshua Mears and several other Storm players remained on the aisle due to contact tracing for COVID-19. The first day they are eligible to come back is the end of this weekend, which today is Tuesday. I Batten is someone we overlook so much on this podcast and i and i almost feel ashamed that uh that we do because he's done he did really well in double a he's doing pretty damn good up in triple a uh it's just i don't know there's something about his name that i just keep overlooking and i feel like a jerk for that 
Yeah, you know, Batten's someone who, who stood out a lot more over the weekend in El Paso than I would have thought just reading, you know, watching games, reading box scores and all that. Uh, the one knock I guess you could have on him is the power. And AAA is not really thrilling with, with the power numbers there. Um, but he gets on base, uh, and the versatility is nice. I mean, second, short, and left field in one series, uh, which is something that obviously the teams are going to have. These guys play a lot of positions just trying to get on the field. But um, just seems like a guy that – gets overlooked just by the nature of his skill set. But, I mean, you looked uh, last night, he had three hits and a walk. Uh, the night before, he did go 0 for 4, struck out four times, but he got a hit when it counted, and he pitched a decent inning too. So, <laughs> How many innings does that make for him? He's pitched – God, he's had to have pitched like four or five innings this year just being the mop-up guy. <laughs> yeah, he's made four mop-up appearances. And he's – I mean, for, for a position player who's not, you know, going for it as a two-way player, he does all right. Yeah. You know, another play that we overlook, and we've talked about it here, is Taylor Callway. Yes. Um, that, that's a really interesting one because he, I think, was a 15th round pick. Um, just not someone where you really ever came up like, oh, you know, we've got this this top prospect here. But with the opportunity in the outfield, there's just not a lot of outfielders at the higher levels. Just keeps hitting. Yeah. Uh, just keeps putting bat on the ball. Um, another guy, there's not a ton of pop, but he's, he's consistently batting over 300, getting on base at, at a good clip, and uh, playing both corners and first base. You know, uh, not a lot of pop, but hits a lot of doubles. Tirso Nellis, we're going to talk about him in a minute. But Tirso Nellis is another one of those guys where, like, the, just don't worry about the power. The power will come. The guy is a, an Adonis. He's got a, you know, he is ripped. The power will come once he starts figuring it out. But let him just be. Yeah, I mean, Tirso is a guy that's, that's um, I mean, if he keeps ripping doubles, that's going to be fine with him. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Strike two Friday, Robert Hassel left the game after getting hit on the shoulder. The Storm won on a walk-off single by first baseman Carlos Luis. Luis was the offensive star of the game as he also doubled Friday night. It was the second consecutive multi-hit game of the season for the 21-year-old and his third in August. The first baseman was clearly overmatched in his first month in low A, but has swung the bat well this month and is hitting 320, 346, 520, and 26 August plate appearances. I saw him come up and he did. He looked I watch a lot of these games at night, and he's like, okay. I mean, he looks like a ball player. He has the build to be a ball player, but it just wasn't happening. Good to see. And and you have to allow kind of for that time for for, for the adjustment. I mean, from the complex to low A, there's a big difference there, right? Guys are starting to throw strikes. Guys are starting to throw their other pitches for strikes as well. Yeah, you start to see more consistent strikes. But one thing that people need to really, really see about the complex league, too, is that it's a development league, 100. percent It's as much as the other minor league levels are. Player development takes priority. The complex league, I would almost venture, they're not even trying to win the game. It barely keeps score, uh, so it's a much more uh, it's a much more nurturing environment for a young player. They get to the affiliate, and you're playing for a team that, yeah, their 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 goal is to make you a major league player and do it the right way up each level. But they're also out there trying to win a ball game. Right. And, you're facing competition that even low A, especially this year, there were some guys who got put low A to start out the year that probably wouldn't have if there wasn't a pandemic year. So um, he was a guy that it, it was rough, and it's been it's been really nice to see see the turnaround. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, right-hander Nick Thwaites turned in one of his best outings of the season, but did not factor in that decision. Thwaites completed five innings and allowed just one run on four hits, walking two and striking out three. He, he's had a couple of those starts that are just like, holy cow. Wait, there he goes, you know, and he's been with it. He's been in the system for a while now. Um, still, still pretty young, but it, it just seems to kind of 
snub his toe every now and then. Yeah, the, the consistency is what you want to see. Like you said, there, there have been the nights where he just stands out and you're like, okay, here it comes and, and he, it, the light's going to turn on and then it just something comes up where it's, it's a little bit of a little bit of a regression. Yeah, yeah and, and that's why they call it the minor leagues. You still, you're still developing. D- development and progress isn't linear. You're not going to get better every game, although you may hear that from some of the coaches, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Strike three, Sunday, Irubo Angel has collected a second straight three game. The infielder missed about a week at the end of July, but is 24 for 60 with seven extra base hits over the 13 games since he returned. He struck out just six times in this stretch and has only gone hitless once. The 19-year-old's 351 batting average now leads the low A West League by 21 points. And outfielder Angel, this is a, this is the guy I heard about a while back. Uh, outfielder Angel Solarte reached base four times on three singles and a walk. That 20-year-old who grew up and filled out significantly between the end of 2019 campaign and when he arrived at spring training this year has improved each month since joining the storm in late May. With the three-hit day, he pushed his August line to 340, 418, 426. Encouragingly, after drawing just four walks in his first 161 plate appearances, he's taken six free passes in 49 trips to the plate. Big Angel yeah. Solarte guy. So a couple years back in 2018, we uh, we made uh, Roy and I made the complex, and we're out there, and I spent a lot of time, which what I would consider would be the Tri Cities, kind of like the short season uh, ball field, and I watched him, and I he just smoked a ball, and um, I can't remember Coach Coach Sosa. He was the uh, he was the first base coach for the Storm back in 2019. Um, said, yeah, that kid's gonna be a star, and he came up uh, with Lake Elsinore. When I was out there, I'm like, he was just hitting bombs in in batting practice and i had to ask like who the like, who, is, who is that guy and uh it was sure enough it was angel salarte and he's going he's about, he's about six foot too he's he's uh he's got the size there i got the frame yeah salarte it's cool to see it starting to come together a lot more because that like you said that raw power that potential has been there and he's still 20 so it, it, it's cool to see the, the the eye getting better just walking, getting on base is, is I mean, that, that's an organizational philosophy top to bottom. If you can't do it, you may not have a good time in the Potters organization because they're just really valuing not chasing, uh, staying in the zone and hitting strikes. And uh, the, the more he can do that, the results come along, and that's what he's showing right there. Yeah, absolutely. So going on, moving on to Fort Wayne, strike one. As a team, the team caps lead the HAC, that'd be the Midwest League or high AC, in doubles with 164. Individually, outfielder Tercero Nellis leads the league in doubles with 25. crushed it also crushed his fifth homer off former teammate Anderson Espinosa Tuesday. Uh, last Wednesday at Great Lakes. That was, you know, uh, I watched the game that uh, Espy walked off the field, and, you know, they, they check his glove. It's funny, because I watched some of these guys walk off the field, even the major league guys, they, they forget that they have to get checked. So they just start walking off. And it almost looks like I'm going to try to sneak through here without them noticing. But they do. They're so focused on the game that they forget. So he walks off. They catch up to him. And, you know, they look at it. You know, look at the, the guy's looking at the glove. And then he's just um, not even like a hook. Just like, you out. And he's just like, what? What is it? And now this is the thing about the, the minor leagues. It's tough. It, even the major leagues, but in the minor leagues, they have nothing. They, they haven't like, okay, I'm going to go to my rep and let's, let's look at this. Let's have the league investigate it. I mean, your glove is on the bench. Uh, you know, it's getting tossed around. It's just like there's so many ways that stuff can get on your, on your glove that isn't a foreign substance. And I really don't think, although that 
it's contrary. The spin rates are coming back up. They what I've been reading is players in the major league are starting to find other ways of getting it to the ball without having it be on their belt buckle, hat, or glove. But certainly in the minor leagues, I don't see these guys trying to do this stuff and on purpose. It, it seems unlikely. I haven't heard too many other um, ejections, although I guess uh, I think San Antonio had one just the other day. We're going to talk about it in a minute, um, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's tough because, like you said, there's a lot of ways it could happen, and the league basically said any way it does happen, it's your fault. Even if it's a, you know, it's a teammate doing it, if you have your second baseman doing it, or tossing the ball around, they're still going to pop you for it. Um, a mid-season rule change, not a lot of clarity to it. And, yeah, there's a lot of theories that they've either backed off a little bit or guys are finding other ways to do it because we've all seen pitchers who right after we thought, crap, this guy's night and day from when he was the first, first month of the season. Yeah. And all of a sudden people have kind of just tweaked it, dialed it back a little bit where they're a little bit more what we remember. So who knows? Absolutely. And it was tough to see him go. You know, we were that 2018, we were there for his first, for his first game coming back from the first Tommy John and uh, he threw an inning and, you know, everyone was there to see Mackenzie Gore. Everyone was there to see Luis Patino. We were there to see Espinoza. He pitched like an inning and a half and went right to the trainer's table. And not soon after that, he threw again after the complex league started and he was done for a second Tommy John. Getting traded for Mark Marisnik, uh fine, whatever. I'm a big fan. I'm not a prospect hugger, but those guys that you follow, I mean, you want him to do well. When the first time he, he, uh, he pitched against us, he pitched really well after, you know, Terso went yard. Um, the second time he got beat up a little bit by us, but one of those guys, you just want to see him do well because he's been through so much. Yeah, Espinosa, I mean, you've talked about it many times on here. The, the organization invested so much time, so much effort in, in just bringing him back. So it's hard It's hard for them too. It's hard for everyone who's watched and followed along. It, it, it's tough when you take a guy who is that level of a prospect as a teenager yeah. and, and you don't trade him while he's well, and then when he gets hurt, obviously you don't do it. So you have this hope that he's going to work his way back. Um, at the end of the day, he had a 40-man spot. They really wanted a 40-man spot, especially going into the offseason. And the Cubs are the kind of team that's positioned to give him a shot the whole way through if they can, if he can keep progressing. Um, it, it was tough. I mean, you, you watch those starts. And, and he'd have a bat at bat where, like, there he is. That's the guy that, that they're looking for. Yeah. And then he – Get a little lost in the woods, so it just it just kind of got to that point where it is worthwhile to move them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Outfielder Grant Little set Fort Wayne single game franchise stolen base record with five. The previous mark was four, set by Jeremy Owens in April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. Through the first one hundred and fifty five games of his MLB career, he'd never stolen more than two bases in a game, and just comes out and tears it up with five. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean that, that's something that I mean little. He can steal bases, but he's just not. I mean, that's something where if like Jordy Barley did it, you're like, yeah, yeah that's what he does, right. asshole. But for Little, I mean, that's that's a, a great game for him, and, and good for him. Absolutely. Strike two Friday. Danny Dens logged his fourth consecutive scoreless outing, throwing four and a third innings. Uh, Edwin, um, yeah, Danny Dens. He's another another one of those popular kids that just seems to be doing no wrong right now. Yeah, I saw Dens at the complex only once because he. He's been on a fast rise. I mean, he's one of those guys that got signed after the draft last year where there are so many five-round drafts, so they, they picked up some really good talent for not a lot of money. Um, and to finally see him out there, I mean, he's just uh, – he, he he definitely looked advanced for where he was in the complex. And he had good breaking stuff. It just 
it didn't feel like he was going to be there long. And he just keeps keeps on rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Edwin Benincumbo, Mason Fioli, Luke Boyd, and Austin Smith finished the job without straining an earned run. Uh, good to see Mason Fioli kind of get back his feet underneath him. He's a friend of the podcast. We've had him on to talk to him about baseball. We've had him on. <laughs> we talked about music and movies for a whole podcast. Um, just a great guy. Glad to see him actually in affiliate ball, but actually starting to see uh, some success a little bit. Yeah, it's it's good. You know, these guys in Fort Wayne are going to get an opportunity. They've had some injuries in the bullpen, so they're, they're going to get innings to these guys, and it's good for someone like Fieldy to take that advantage of that opportunity. Absolutely. Strike three Sunday, Fort Wayne's offensive jumped over, jumped on former uh, teammate Anderson Espinoza, who then faced they faced for the second time on the homestand for four runs in the first inning, and the Tin Caps won the third straight. Justin Lopez hit a bases-clearing double in his first trip to the plate and added a single in the third. The 21-year-old infielder has hit three straight to break, has hit three straight to break out of a four for 35 slump, but still has seen his line for the year sink to 226, 304, 369. Well, that's a slight step up from Lopez's line. Uh, you know, it's Lopez. We gave a couple. We have we have some significant money back in 2016, I believe. Yeah, Lopez. I mean, big money, and he's had a lot of opportunities yeah. too. So it, it, it's tough. I mean, I know there's not a lot of offense in Fort Wayne. But it's still tough when you see a slash line like that when he's getting the, the everyday opportunities that he is. Uh, I mean, he's still 21. Yeah. You'd, you'd like to see him, him break out there, but um, the OBP is in danger of getting below 300. Yeah, you know, and, and I think a lot of times these, you know, when they give these guys this big money, it, it, we expect we had this $3 million expectation of them that it's going to work mm-hmm. out. Like it, it's going to be a no brainer. That is not the case. Fernando Tatis Jr. was signed for 700000 which was chump change when it comes to some of the bigger uh, when the bigger uh, bonuses that players receive in the international draft. So you have to give these time. You have to give these guys time to learn, time to develop, and everyone develops at their own at their own level, you know. But moving on, Connor Lehman relying on his big breaking ball, celebrated his 25th birthday with the best start of the year, tossing five scoreless innings and giving up just two hits. The Padres seventh rounder out of St. Louis University in 2019. Lehman started the year on the IL, then made nine appearances wrapping up in Lake Elsinore before joining Fort Wayne. He's a big boy, yeah? Lehman's a big boy. Yeah, I believe he's 6'7". Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes those, those big pitchers, I mean, obviously the, there are injury issues, in which he's had. Um, getting drafted in 2019 doesn't help. Those guys really got hurt developmentally. Um, even though he came out of college, uh it's tough. I mean, he's 25 now. He was 24 pitching at Elsinore. And people kind of may, may look at that like he's behind his development, but it can take those those big arms a while to uh, really find where they want to go. Absolutely. Moving on to San Antonio, strike one Wednesday in just his second game at double-A level, Augustin Ruiz drove in seven runs and collected three hits. Sorry, collected three extra bases during the mission's 13-4 victory Wednesday night. The 20-year-old in his first three seasons, 160 and 198 games, sorry, Ruiz had five home runs, and it looked like each home run was a struggle. He now has actually 17 home runs. I think he hit one today. I saw it on Twitter before we got here. He hit a home run today. So now he has 17 home runs in only 76 games or so now, two games after that. In 2021, uh, Ruiz's overall line was 259, uh, 259, 354, 345, sorry, and 479. Combined with a solid glove in the corner outfield spot and his youth will lead him to the top half of most prospect lists. Another one of those breakout guys. Yeah, big time breakout. And uh, Ben, ben Davey had an interview with him in uh, Fort Wayne before he got promoted. 
Um, and it was just cool to see kind of what went behind that power and what, what really goes in that approach. He did a lot of work over the, the layaway, the, the time away in the pandemic to, uh, bulk up some and, and just put in that work and it's showing for him. I mean, he's, he's showing the pop. I know they've tried him out in center field some just because there's a lack of center fielders and, and it always never hurts to try. Um, but he's definitely more comfortable as a corner outfielder, but if he keeps having that pop, it's, it's going to be totally fine for him. Is he, he's a little bit, is he a little bit thicker guy? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, like, I would say like, if you were just to look at, at the way that he's built, he looks more like a corner outfielder. For okay. Sure. All right. It's not like a, like, it's not like a Jorge owner where you're like, yeah, that guy's going to play no. fullback. He's a fullback. <laughs> no, he's not like Odell. Like, you put him in center field, you don't go like, yeah, what, what's that lineman doing out center field? But, he, <laughs> but he's he's got some he's got some some meat on him for sure. Okay, so so back in back before he got uh, raised up to AAA, Adrian Martinez put together another solid outing as the mission starter struck out seven batters in six innings while allowing one earned run. The 24-year-old from Mexicali, that makes him a local boy has allowed just five earned runs over the last 39 and a third innings, so it's a 1.14 ERA. While he has been effective all year, he turned the corner when he started locating his 91 to 94 sinker low in the zone. This led to his ground ball rate nearly doubling and his ERA plummeting. And today, we're just going to take today and throw it away. I would. I, I definitely would. I mean, what he did the last month in, in San Antonio, and all year really, but he just reached a point where he, you couldn't deny uh, promoting him. And you know, we saw him pitch... Uh, one game in San Antonio, it was uh, one run in six innings, and the start before that was when he was throwing a no hitter, and they took him out for pitch count reasons. Uh, and, and Wellman said it when we talked to him that if they were to, to call him after Kinnear got called up, they needed a spot starter. It would have been Lacer or Martinez. With Lacer on the IL right now, you're looking at Martinez. Um, that that slider is it's it's a great sweeper, and that changeup it. it pops in on righties so he's got the stuff there we got to talk to him uh john will have that up uh sometime soon i think that'll be probably the first one he does and just cool to talk to him like you say he's a local boy so it's it's nice to finally see a little bit of the uh uh baja california influence in there too that's pretty cool absolutely uh my parents are from my parents were were raised in el centro so mexicali is very near dear to my heart and so is the minor so is the uh the, the mexican league team there as well but moving on, strike two, uh, Friday left-handed pitcher Jerry Keel started the game and struck out two in his lone inning of work. As Keel walked off the field, his glove was inspected, and he was ultimately ejected from the game. He, his catcher, and Ch- Charlie Siegel and pitching coach Pete Zamora all seemed genuinely shocked. And in the case of Zamora, angry by the situation, he becomes the second member of the system ejected under the new policy this year. I, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And this we can't it, be the only uh, we can't be the only organization going through this as well. Obviously, I, I I doubt I doubt they are the only organization having that problem. What 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 bothers me about the the substance inspection is that there's no like post mortem to it. They don't come out and, and say like, well, wh- this is what we found. This is what happened. Um, I don't know if they ever do it even down the line. I haven't seen anything back on Espinosa or anything. But like for Kiel, it's just like he's out of the game. And it's like, why? Well, he violated the policy. And it'd be nice to know what they actually saw in there. Right. What what crime did I commit? What is the offense? What what is the sticky right. stuff? I mean, you can ask yeah. me because I don't know because that's not what I have on my glove. And it's you know, I do notice in the major leagues that everyone has brand new gloves. Yeah, there was a, a lot of uh, shiny Rawlings out there that first uh, first week. <laughs> Anyways, Estuary Ruiz hit a two run homer in the fourth inning, extending his streak, 
His hitting streak to four games. He also stole a pair of bags and scored two runs. The 22-year-old has been on fire in August with a 341, 431, 568 slash line. He missed a month with a hand injury and has produced since returning. After limping through a rough May, Ruiz is hitting 313, 375, and 465 in just over 100 plate appearances since. I love Estuy Ruiz. I love uh, Eggy Rosario. Those two guys, I, I think, uh, don't get enough credit. Uh, they're overlooked by guys like Hassel, uh, not Hassel, but uh, C.J. Abrams. Yeah, Ruiz is the guy that, you know, you've you just been really hoping for a breakout. Can you show what you can do? Um, it, it just hasn't always come into the, the stat lines. So there's been rough months, so it's nice to see him on fire. And, you, know, you talk about Rosario, that's the guy who's putting up pretty good numbers, and it's just, it's nice that if, if there's one nice thing for the missions with uh, Abrams out, it's that Rosario's really been able to get that consistent playing time and show, uh, you know, not a bad shortstop. You know, Wel- Wellman definitely said that if Abrams came back tomorrow, he'd get right back in the shortstop, but it's nice to see Rosario get that chance to be a little versatile, too. Yeah, I really love the interview that John had with, or was that you that had with uh, with Welly uh, talking about Abrams? Was, it was John. That right? was John with Welly, yeah. Yeah, um, just I, I thought he was really candid with the way he, you know, he had to learn like stretches at three thirty. You don't come and rolling in fifteen minutes early, like. Yeah, that was just to get that detail instead of just kind of like the glossed over answer. Then they really, really kind of told the story of, you know, I really like the comparisons of. Uh, Abrams is a player versus Tatis because I think for Padres fans, I think they're used to Tatis being the gold standard of what they're looking for a young player, which is completely fair because he's doing historic things. But if they were to see Abrams next to him, yeah. they might look at Abrams and think, is he doing the same the same things? He won't do the exact same things performance-wise, but he is making those plays. He is doing the things. He just does it as a much more uh, a much more smooth player. So it, it's, it's a, a totally different look. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, I really think with that, they're having, obviously, Taddy in the outfield, not only just to keep him in the lineup, but, like, Abrams wasn't far off. I'm not, I don't think he's going to come up, you know, obviously not this year, but certainly he's going to make a push in spring training and will probably start in El Paso, if not depending on where the chips fall in the, in the offseason, is certainly going to get uh, playing time uh, next year. And with, uh, God, you know, with the smooth tools that he has – and the violent recklessness that we have in Tatis, I w- you know, you want to choose Tatis over CJ, but like you said, you haven't seen the guy yet. And if it's like the quiet storm, you want over here at short, or do you want the you know the guy that's going to be you know, flashy and and maybe a little injury prone just because he's so violent in, in what he does? Yeah, it, it could be the smart play. Um, we we haven't been able to see a whole lot of CJ playing shortstop, unfortunately, but. Like, like, you know, Wellman had the, the line. I think he said he was throwing 96, looking like he's throwing BP. Um, the only the only concerns I have with Abrams would be if for some reason the speed didn't come back, but he didn't even need surgery, so I'm not worried there. Uh, and it just it would be nice to see the power a little bit more. It would just be nice to see uh, that next step in the power. But he's also been playing in San Antonio, so obviously I mean, you don't really count power numbers in El Paso, but it would be nice to see just a, a breakout in that level. Right. I mean, in his first year of affiliate ball, also, you know, you guys that remember Amarillo was a hitter's dream because the ball just flew out of there. And like you said, in, in San Antonio, it's more of a pitcher's park. But yeah, I mean, not- I mean uh, uh, San Antonio, the, the you look at the home runs allowed for pitchers, and there are guys giving up over 20 home runs in, in that league, and most of them are guys who are playing in places like Amarillo. Yeah, and that t- makes it tough for – you know, it makes it, it shows just what how far Mackenzie Gore was doing when he was in Amarillo. It was just mowing guys down. 
uh, had had great numbers. But moving on, uh, but moving on to finish this up, uh, third baseman Alan Cordo- uh, Cordoba tied a career high with four hits, including a double. The 25-year-old has hit well in August, but perhaps more impressively, he has struck out just three times in 38 plate appearances this month. Now, the Cordoba is another one of those guys where we saw him a couple years back as a Rule 5 guy, so you think, oh, double is going to be nothing. He's going to be up in no time. That's not that's not necessarily how it works. Yeah, I mean, and Cordoba's had injuries both on the field, and he had some from a car accident that the, the accident, right, the they said, could have threatened his life if it went a little bit differently. Uh, so he had a concussion from that, which even when you feel better from that, it can throw off your balance, your eye, everything else. So he's come back from a lot from a guy that you know played for the Padres. You know, people will remember him when he was a Rule Five guy. He's a guy who's having a, a good year. Um, he's also someone you have to keep an eye on. He he could stay in the organization. He could end up going somewhere else. Just it, it, just how long he's been around, he could end up end up leaving. But he's 25 in Double A, which, like you said, people might look at that and think that he's just not getting it done. There's been a lot going on with, with Cordoba, and he's been playing well lately. So it's it's good for him, and, and it'll either be with the Padres or somewhere else. I think that he'll he'll end up with another shot if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, absolutely. Strike three to finish out San Antonio Sunday. Midland hit mission starter Osvaldo Hernandez hard for the second time in the series, pulling off four runs against him in five innings. The lefty put together a strong stretch in July, but has allowed 14 earned runs and 12 and two-thirds of an inning in innings over three starts this month. Now 23, Hernandez has posted a 20, 257 to 75 strikeout-to-walk ratio. God dang David Jay and his long numbers there. <laughs> And 279 and two-thirds of an inning since signing with the Padres in the winter of 2016. Another one of those guys who looks really well in high A with the curveball. I mean, just really good curveball. You know, get, not give me over fastball, but, you know, just your average fastball. I think 88 to 89. Not blazing, but the breaking ball was so good that it would really keep guys off balance. But you get him up into uh, you get him up into higher levels, and it starts to kind of show the warts. Yeah, we saw Osvaldo back-to-back in a doubleheader with Martinez, and he got lit up. Um, it was not one of his better games, but he's had really good stretches. He's had really tough stretches where um, he, he leads the team in home runs allowed, and I think last I looked, it was 15 of them. 13 of them were away from San Antonio, uh, which, which says a lot about that league, but also says that that he's he's throwing a light ball, especially when he gets out of that air in San Antonio. That's the biggest problem. Absolutely. Uh, Alan Cordova continues big month with a homer and a walk Sunday, pushing his line for August 372, 426, 535. The 25-year-old in has made all but three starts of, 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 of English, thank you very much, who has made all but three of his starts in the field at third base. Thank you for San Antonio Sports at 849 OPS and his best campaign since 2016. Ah, yeah. So let's move on to El Paso here and get you out of here. We're uh, so for the El Paso, I, I got a little bit of you know, a little bit, a little bit of the uh, the dailies, and we're just going to talk about what you saw uh, in, in El Paso this past weekend. Strike one last Sunday, Luis Camposano just damaged a ball. Just I mean, the kid just hits uh, as a part of a four hit four run first inning, and the Chihuahuas never looked back as they snapped a three game losing streak. Camposano added a single late in the game to push his OPS to a season high. 872, the uh, the 22-year-old backstop has struck out just 17 times in 103 plate appearances since the start of June. His receiving behind the plate continues to develop through his six pass balls of this year, set up an unearned run Sunday. Monday, he hit another ball 
But what was more impressive was the single after that. I think you were at that game. The single, yes. like I saw him hit the ball, and like he couldn't get past first base because it was just hit on a line. Yeah, I mean, he the first at-bat, he crushed that home run, uh, deepest part of the yard, dead center. Um, second at-bat, he almost hits one out to right field. Yeah. That he got, a, got a barrel on, but he got a little under it. But, I mean, it's the opposite field. Um, that single, I mean – that pitch came in on him. He kind of laid back on his back foot, almost like a Gary Sheffield, just punished the ball down the line. Um, I mean, he has some real, like he put some real force on the ball without being out of control. I mean, look at that strikeout number. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we saw him in batting practice, some of those games that he just punishes the ball. Um, he's gotten a lot better of, of avoiding the strikeouts. You know, beginning of the year, he, he was really wild, really just trying to mash everything the wrong way. And he kind of went back to the way he was swinging before. And it's just, uh, I mean, at the plate, he's impressive. He's impressive behind the plate. He threw out that the potential tying run in the ninth there. Um, and, you know, we talked to Edwin and he told, he told John that he's a major league ready catcher with the, with the bat. He's a major league ready catcher behind the plate. So he's got, he's got both. He's, he's up just about there and everything that you can yeah, and certainly uh, that's why you don't. That's why we don't have a starting pitcher right now. A lot of those guys were asking for Mackenzie Gore. A lot of those guys were asking for Luis Camposano. And you know, for what um, for what Caratini and Nola have been doing this season, and they've been doing. I mean, after after so many years of of Austin Hedges, um, God hitting two fifteen seems like you're hitting three hundred. But those guys just seem to hit as well. But the future truly is in Luis Camposano. That's not a knock on those two guys, but certainly is, huh? Yeah, it's no knock because, like you said, even though, like, it's actually surprising when you look at Caratini's numbers and they don't feel as good as they are because he gets a lot of clutch hits, he does everything else. But just being productive, a catcher, feels wonderful yeah. for, for anyone watching the Padres. But what, what Camposano does is uh, it, it, it's if he can translate all that, and, and they're very confident that he can, yeah. um, that is that is the future at catcher. Yeah, well, the bat speed's elite. You see him, he'll be later on a pitch outside and just sure bat speed. <laughs> he almost, like that ball he hit uh, yesterday, I watched it. It almost went out, and he didn't really get it. He got really under it, and it hit the wall. Yeah, and it, it, he got under it. Like you said, he didn't get all of it, but you still hear it. Yeah. it, it he, he, his, and especially in batting practice, his crack of the bat is just so unique because the bat speed is just whipping through there. What else? So um, for over your weekend, um, well, we'll talk a little bit about what you guys got coming out from the weekend. But uh, certainly, what else did you see over the weekend that uh, you know that that the that Padre fans can be looking forward to? Um, as far as looking forward to, I would say that the other big thing that really stuck out to me was uh, Jose uh, Azucar, um, center fielder who got called up from San Antonio. Um, a new name for, for a lot of people because he was actually a minor league free agent. Uh, came from the Tigers organization where he had been the whole time before. He's still only 25. He's never been to the majors. Uh, he's actually, this is his first time in AAA. Um, we got to talk to him, which was really cool. But, I mean, the, the most important thing is that he's playing better than ever in AAA. Um, the, they kind of already had a belief around him on the Padres that he was defensively already a major league outfielder. Um, it was really just a matter of the back coming around. And San Antonio is not the best place to learn that, as we've mentioned many times. So it's nice to see him come up to El Paso and just uh, break out. Every at-bat was a pro at-bat. Uh, he put a lot of lot of good swings on the ball, hit it the opposite way. A lot of his extra base hits went to right field. He was a right-handed hitter. And uh, just I don't think 
the whole time we were there, we were there for doubleheader Friday, we went Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I did not see um, Jose Alzacar have a bat at bat the whole time. And you know, um, that's kind of it's interesting that we signed him. He started in Double A as a, as a minor league free agent and still pretty young. He's twenty four, twenty five as well. Yeah, he's twenty five, and uh, you know it, it wasn't it wasn't like your minor league free agent that you're used to. You're used to guys that are a little older and they're going to take some playing time because you don't have an option there. He's a guy that he's young and he just hasn't had the chance and. There's some there's there are things that he needs to work on and so far he's been showing the work. And, uh, got to see his arm in San Antonio. He has one of the best arms from center field, definitely in the organization. Uh, he's just a guy that if he keeps hitting and he has all the all the other tools that he has, he has good speed. You can look at him as uh, saving some cost, having a controllable player at the, the back end of the outfield. That, that's what they want to go with. Yeah, have a good solid fourth outfield is definitely key. Definitely, um, you know, pitching. Like I said, we didn't get to see a whole lot of pitching because they're they're in a definitely a little bit of a state of flux in El Paso with that. But uh, we did see uh, a great start from Camarena. Um, we mostly saw a lot of guys who are in reserve for when the Padres need innings, guys like Nick Ramirez. Uh, Taylor Williams on a, on a rehab assignment. He looked mostly good. Um, Last night, not so much. Yeah, he, he got beat up a little bit. He got beat up. Um, the first appearance, yeah, it was a lot better. But, you know, he showed uh, – he showed the breaking ball is probably close to where he wants it to be. He's probably almost ready to go um, if one of the Padres need an arm. Um, obviously, we saw Jerickson Profar. Um, looked like he's still limping a little bit. Um, really? No, no one really knows what happened with Jerickson Profar. That never really came out. Um, There's a couple times where after playing the outfield, it, I, it looked to us like he was limping, but um, I, I don't know if he just had a lingering injury. No one knows why he was on the IL, but good at bats he got a lot of at bats from the right side of the plate last night because a lot of lefties in the reno pen um couple good plays in the outfield um a great play at second base uh he yeah. got a little bit of infield time so that was cool um uh, so profar profar on the rehab looked pretty good williams looks pretty good on the rehab um colway um tripled down the, he went the other way hit a big triple when he first got there on uh, friday uh, another guy who not as consistently as Asakar right now, but a guy who puts up good at bats. And Colway's an interesting one because, I mean, if a guy is still pretty young, yeah. if you keep hitting over 340 in AAA at some point, you think that you might get a shot. So, coffee. Yeah, that's a guy who might get a look. I mean, he just never stops. He's just been so consistent with the bats. That's another guy. Um, it'd be interesting to see – how many of these guys are going to be minor league free agents at the end of the season? Yeah, minor league free agents, uh, Rule 5, they do have to look at the 40-man. Uh, there will be a lot of guys that have to go on it. Um, but that's kind of the that's kind of the, the dance every year. So, um, But, yeah, there are some guys that are, that are coming up on, on their time in, in the organization. and um, The upper levels, though, have been a lot of opportunities. That's where a guy like Colway has been getting a chance that he may not have had if there was still some of that, that – talent that got traded away and that's going to make the most of it um trying to think who else we saw out there that's really interesting on the prospect side because el paso is a lot of veterans they have a lot of kato uh playing first base there a lot of guys that just have been like and i've ivan castillo big ivan castillo fan over here on the podcast um he got his cup of coffee earlier this year i believe yeah he made his major league debut he got a hit um 
she's still in the 40 man roster. Yeah. Uh, so that's someone that they have to look at. Are they going to keep him on it or not? Um, he, I think went four for five last night. He, he had a pretty good series. He's had a, he's had a pretty good year. He just, yeah. uh, Padres have a ton of infielders and they got, they got, <laughs> they got infielders for days. I mean, a guy like, like, like Gosuke Kato, I mean, that's a guy who not a whole lot of power, even though he hit a grand slam on, it was on Friday. Um, yeah. Second game on Friday. Um, Kato is, is batting around 289. Uh, they love his versatility. First, second, left field, right field. He doesn't really, he hasn't played shortstop in El Paso. Uh, but just a guy, he's a, he's a lefty bat. The amazing thing about Kato, second round pick, doing a good job in AAA, never played in the majors, not yeah. once. Yeah, that's that's something that, and that's a guy where you think if they had the old roster expansion rules, this might be the year, but yeah. they don't. Certainly, and he came from the Yankees organization, and he's a local boy. So that would yeah. be, be nice to keep him in the organization, and maybe make his major league debut with the home team, even if it is for a cup of coffee next year. Um, dude, well, I, I really appreciate you filling in. Um, of course. You coming for you know you flew in this morning from El Paso, uh, back home. Come and talk to me for about an hour. Uh, we appreciate it. So what do you got coming on with uh, Friars on the? Uh, what are you gonna come over to Friars on the Farm and just be on the podcast? Is what I wanted to say. Uh, no, what do you got coming on with Mad Friars and um, Bound for Disappointment? Um, Mad Friars, we got a lot in El Paso. That'd be really cool. I still have. Uh, I got to get uh, my next one. Actually, be still from San Antonio. I've got Duane coming up because uh, yes yeah Duane is a a really good one to talk to he's had an interesting career just a lot of injuries and uh a guy can get on base like like no tomorrow when he when he's getting hit by pitches especially but guy who has a lot of potential and just put it together um and then from el paso we've got uh edwin obviously um but we've got uh, adrian martinez we've got um got a follow-up with aaron leisher which would be pretty cool just kind of compare double a triple a uh, my can too. Um, Sean Anderson, who nice. a lot of major league experience uh, for a younger guy. Um, we got Asakar. Um, yeah, a lot of this con- content's going to make it past the season. So you'll have stuff coming out after the season's over in another month or so. We'll have, uh, hopefully, hopefully for the, the fall, we'll have it where almost every other day we'll have something come up. We got 10 interviews, and I, I know I'm missing some stuff there it was it was a lot of uh lot of talks. oh uh guerrero jordan guerrero nice uh evan, evan miller um a lot of friends of the podcast Leisher, guerrero um mm-hmm. jorge Cantu was also on jorge <laughs> michael <laughs> god i need to go eat um so with that you'll be at instructs this year too right you'll, you'll make some games at instructs um, if, if they do them, we're, we're, uh, kind of the same as, as, uh, complex league. Yeah, definitely. I know last year they were, uh, under lock and key, but okay. I assume it'll be the same, but it's the same. It's the same thing with everything where major league baseball doesn't tell you until it happens. So maybe. Well, dude, we really appreciate you coming on and, and filling in for Roy. You did a great job. Thank you so much for giving uh, our podcast the credit that it, uh, that it needs to survive. And, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Right on. Thanks for having me. The end of nights we tried to die. This is the end.